Cadwell, the host of the show. And on today's episode, I will be talking with returning guest Frank Manzo from the Illinois Economic Policy Institute. This time around, Frank and I discuss building trades apprenticeships. We'll start our conversation by looking into how the Illinois Economic Policy Institute gathers the data needed to create fair, unbiased, and fact-based comparisons of apprenticeship programs across the U.S., Next, we'll unpack how employer-funded non-union apprenticeships stack up against member-supported union programs and why a graduate of a non-union apprenticeship earns on average $18,000 less per year than their union counterpart. Later, we'll discuss the numerous similarities in income earning potential, diversity and inclusion rates, as well as other socioeconomic outcomes when Frank juxtaposes a building trades journey-level certification earned from a union apprenticeship program to that of a traditional four-year college degree. And we'll finish our conversation by learning why states with strong union apprenticeship programs, in addition to prevailed wage laws, have work sites that are more productive, safer, and are better value for the taxpayer. This episode shines a bright light on the many misconceptions surrounding careers in the blue-collar trades and redefines what it means to have a degree that can't be easily outsourced and will provide a pathway to professional and financial success in the working middle class of America and Canada. After the episode, be sure to check out the show notes to help you dive deeper into the subject. And now, on to the show. Frank Manzo, welcome to Grit Nation. Thank you for having me back again, uh, Joe. Yeah, thank you, Frank, for being on the show. I'm really uh, happy to have you back. Last time we talked was uh, a few months ago, and you were on the show talking about prevailed wage and how the study you did with the University of Oregon showed that when you hire organized labor union carpenters and workers, that it does not drive the cost up, that those labor costs do, uh, do not increase, that they actually can go down thought that was an amazing conversation. And I think today I'd like to follow up with apprenticeships. I know you've uh, recently been interviewed and have a great video out that was put on by the IBEW that talks about apprenticeships. And I was hoping you could tell us more about what the Illinois Economic Policy Institute and Frank Manzo know about union apprenticeships. Yeah, happy to do so uh, here today, Joe. And um, yeah, looking forward to talking about our most recent study and and, and the whole body of research on apprenticeship training, uh, especially as it pertains to the construction industry and in particular, the union construction industry. Good deal. Before we do that, though, Frank, can you tell us a little bit more about the Illinois Economic Policy Institute, how long it's been around, what your role is there, and more importantly, where do you gather your information during these studies to come out with these reports? Yeah, great question, uh, Joe. So the, the Illinois Economic Policy Institute, uh, we've been around uh, for a little over eight years now, since 2013. And uh, we are a nonprofit research organization that promotes thoughtful economic growth for businesses and working families. Uh, the majority of our reports are co-authored with academic professors, as you mentioned, uh, like professors from the University of Oregon to, in my state, the University of Illinois to Colorado State University and and, and so on and so forth. Um, we use data from the uh, Census Bureau and the uh, U.S. Department of Labor in, in particular. Uh, and so we use those data sets uh, 
because they are kind of official government data that uh, is, has been collected and is used for things like the unemployment rate uh, that, that comes out every month and, and jobs uh, reports. Uh, and then we also use other report uh, data from, you know, the Department of Labor's uh, Employment and Training Administration uh, for things like uh, apprenticeship training statistics. So fact-based, quantifiable data that's not biased, doesn't have a spin. It's just what you use to analyze the numbers to come up with a lot of these uh, reports that you put together. Yeah, right. That's that's right. Our our role is to to call balls and strikes and and conduct sound credible analyses on major policy issues and especially in the construction industry uh, and and to be sure that those analyses can can withstand public scrutiny um, from any other professors who might look at them and say is that right and then they you know we cite all of our data and everyone can run the numbers themselves if they'd like to so uh, and we encourage that yeah mm-hmm. peer peer reviewed well that's great uh, today we're going to be talking about apprenticeships and we know that there are two types of apprenticeships out there in the construction industry there's the union apprenticeship and there's the non-union apprenticeship I was hoping you could compare apples to apples in this case? Yeah, great question, Joe, and good point. I, I think it is worth noting that, again, yeah, in construction, there are these two types of, of apprenticeship programs. The The largest players by far across the country in my state of Illinois and your state of Oregon, uh, the largest players are the, are the union programs. And those are privately negotiated between contractors and unions, the joint labor management programs, and they are funded by a cents per hour contribution from employers that is used to train the next generation of skilled tradespeople. Um, you know, I think most, a lot of people, your listeners are familiar with those, uh, but it's worth noting that, on, you know, on the other side, we have these non-union employer-only programs, which are administered solely by the companies and rely entirely on their voluntary contributions. Um, you know, these programs can often be very poorly funded because, you know, contractors who, who voluntarily uh, contribute to apprenticeship programs, you know, don't have an incentive to, to keep doing that if they're trying to win, you know, have the lowest bid on a project and they're trying to compete against union contractors that have more productive workers, right? So what they think to themselves, well, I got to lower this bid. So I, you know what, I'm just going to slash the apprenticeship training. I might even cut wages, right, in order to win the bid, right? So um, these programs are often are often poorly funded, whereas the union programs are are often well funded and they're they're institutionalized with training investments that are made on an ongoing uh, basis. So that's the biggest difference between the two. Um, and I will just say, and I can let you ask any other questions you have, uh, at least initially. But the data reveal that there is really no comparison, quite honestly, between the union segment of the construction construction industry and the non union segment uh, in terms of training. And how so? What does the data vet out? Yes, right. So, so we look at, at a range of outcomes, um, but, and differences between the union segment of the, of training and the non-union segment of apprenticeship training. And what we find is that everything from earnings to hours of training, uh, to social outcomes and completion rates, as well as diversity on all of those metrics, the union segment of the industry fares better. So, for instance, uh, a graduate a, of a uh, union apprenticeship program earns, on average, across America, $18,000 more annually than a similar graduate from a non-union uh, construction apprenticeship program. And that's on average across the country. That difference is larger in some states. Um, same thing, they have higher completion rates and higher completion rates in particular among uh, trainees of, of color 
and, and women and veterans as well. So those programs are also uh, not only enrolling a more diverse uh, class uh, cohort of apprentices, but graduating a more diverse cohort of, of apprentices. Um, and then same thing, uh, you know, all the way down to, to, to social outcomes. So, so union construction workers are more likely to be married and own their homes and, uh, and have health insurance and not rely on government assistance. Whereas the non-union construction workers, again, who graduate from those programs are, you know, are less likely to, to, to be married and less likely to own homes, less likely to have health insurance, things like that. And I see this on a day-to-day basis, obviously full disclosure. If you have uh, been listening to the show for a while, you know that I am uh, an apprentice coordinator at the Pacific Northwest Carpenters Institute here in the Pacific Northwest. I work with the Carpenters Union, and we take a lot of pride at our regional training center to make sure we do have uh, the highest level of education available to our, our apprentices and that we do actively recruit out in the community to bring in uh, women, people of color, uh, and minorities, and and really consider ourselves sort of a um, the high mark in which to set everyone else's apprenticeship too. And it's interesting that you say a lot of these self funded or privately put together apprenticeship programs can can cut away at the program when it becomes inconvenient for those contractors to to continue on with them. Yeah, well, and, and to your first point, and, and even just to, to uh, hone in a little bit more. Uh, what the research shows and what the data shows is that the union programs in construction are are more diverse than the non-union programs. And, and that's because the share of enrollees who are Black and African-American and the share of enrollees who are Hispanic and, and uh, Latino and Latina uh, in these union apprenticeship programs, they're actually on par with public universities in most states. I know that to be true of Oregon. It's also true uh, uh, of my state of Illinois. Um, but the shares of enrollees, if you look at, uh, you know, incoming apprenticeship, apprenticeship classes to also then uh, incoming freshman classes at, at you know, your local public universities, uh, they're almost always about the same. Now, obviously, gender is, is a little bit different, right, is, is there's not, you know, uh, but the, the gender um, diversity, there's more women uh, in particular in, uh, in the joint uh, labor management union apprenticeship programs. Um, so one key point there is that improving industry diversity uh, is one major reason to scale up the union model of, of training. For sure. And in regards to scaling up, do you see that there is an uptick in the interest in union apprenticeships uh, currently? Now a quick word from our sponsor. Grid Nation is brought to you by Union Home Plus, who for over 20 years have been helping union families, just like yours, save money when they buy, sell, or finance their home. But don't take my word for it. Here's what Zach from the Local 32 Seattle Plumbers and Fitters has to say. Once again, I must tell you that I think the entire staff at Union Home deserves recognition for their commitment to customer service and integrity. Or Marianne from the Operating Engineers. It's hard to write down how you made our lives so much better. We will be forever grateful for this home. You've gone above and beyond in helping. Well, there you have it. Testimonials from satisfied Union Home Plus customers. So do yourself a favor and give the friendly folks over at Union Home Plus a call today. Union Home Plus, helping union families find their way home for over 20 years. And now back to the show. Yeah, great question. Uh, And there's been an increase in demand for for this type of training. Uh, Over the last decade, the number of active apprentices across the United States has more than doubled. Um, and that's important because enrollment at colleges and universities over this time has actually slightly declined. 
So we've seen a, a more than doubling uh, in the apprenticeship training uh, system, while you know universities and colleges have been either stagnant or declining uh, over the last decade. And so something's going on, and that's really the reason we decided to uh, to study these these uh, pr- programs and see how they compare uh, against one another, and then also take it a step further and see how, uh, if at all, they compared to the university uh, system of higher education. Now we're comparing apples to oranges to some respect. We have the apprenticeship, the blue-collar trades, being compared to a a four-year college degree. And what are the socioeconomic outcomes of of both of the graduating from both of those programs? Or is there a study done yet on that? Yeah, so so great question. And 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 that's really the the key in, in our in our most recent study is that there really is no comparison between the union segment of the industry and the non-union. The better comparison is the union segment of of the of a registered apprenticeship training to two and four-year college degrees. Um, apprenticeships from union programs are the bachelor's degrees of the construction industry. And on average, the graduates of union apprenticeship programs are able to achieve near wage and, and benefits parity with other types of workers with four-year college degrees. Um, and again, compared to those, those two- and four-year colleges, and in particular the public universities, um, Union apprenticeships in construction deliver a more robust training regimen, uh, similar diversity outcomes, as we've been mentioning, and competitive wages and benefits, all while leaving graduates entirely free of that $40,000 or sometimes more in student loan debt. Yeah, I think $40,000 would be on the low end for sure. Nowadays, uh, our students, they graduate from from our program after four years. It's 6,000 on-the-job hours backed up by 640 uh, didactic academic hours. They come out three credits shy of an associate's degree from a, a local community college that does the uh, accreditation for our students. And yeah, they they now have a skill set that can't be easily outsourced. And as you said, more importantly, they come out completely debt free. And you can't say that for a lot of folks that unfortunately uh, enroll into college, really don't have an understanding of what they want to make out of a career. They get into a university system and they realize that they're racking up tremendous amounts of debt uh, trying to figure out what in life they want to do. And it's a, it's it's an interesting comparison that you say uh, on the front end and then also on the back end when someone finally does graduate from a university and has to now make up all that those student loans, they're really behind the eight ball compared to uh, a lot of our apprentices that hit the ground running as journey level workers going out and building the infrastructure of, of our country. Yeah. I would, and I'll just, just to speak to what you said there, Joe, the, your program averaging, you know, well over 6,000 hours of, of on the job and classroom training, that program itself and, and the average union construction program uh, requires more hours of classroom and on the job training training in order to graduate than the minimum requirements to earn a bachelor's degree at the University of Oregon and at Oregon State University. Um, it's important because construction is not low skilled work. And it is, you know, this model of, of training uh, delivers a pathway to economic security uh, and the middle class for, for workers who may otherwise be blue collar or maybe just workers who are, you know, could go to college, but are not sure exactly what they want to do and, and would you know rather work with their hands, right? This may offer a better pathway for those individuals into the middle class. Uh, and in fact, the union construction workers uh, across America, when we look at, uh, you know, averaging their incomes, um, their outcomes are, again, most similar to American workers with college degrees. 
Um, and again, the, the way into that good construction job, the union apprenticeship program, yeah, it doesn't come with any of that student loan debt. And I, you know, I, I wish I had known that years ago when I was in high school. So I can tell, you know, a lot of my friends who, who would have been much better off going through a union apprenticeship program than, than going to college and maybe not graduating or, or going to, to college and being in a job that they still don't love. And, and it's one of the reasons why you can ask, I'm sure it's true for your program. A lot of these apprenticeship programs, uh, are accepting applicants and, and enrolling applicants who already have a two or, or sometimes even a four year uh, degree, just looking to try and do something new um, because, you know, college, even having the degree wasn't the right pathway for them. Yeah, sure. And we also see a lot of uh, folks with prior military service, people that are ex- exiting the, uh, the, the armed forces, uh, and they're perfect fits for our apprenticeship program because they know what it's like to, to, to do that hard physical work. They know what it's like to have the discipline to get yourself on time before time to the job site every day. They know what it's like to work out in the weather. What can you tell us a little bit about what the Illinois Policy Institute knows about veterans transitioning into the trades? Yeah, so great question, Joe. So, so we at the Illinois Economic Policy Institute, with with our um, our, our co-authors and uh, other universities, have looked at the impact of prevailing wage laws. And you mentioned we had talked about that previously uh, on military veterans in particular. And what we found there is that the states that have prevailing wage laws are uh, have higher shares of, of veterans employed uh, as construction workers, meaning that the prevailing wage law. Uh, has helped attract and and retain military veterans into those skilled construction trades. Uh, it because it's partly because it delivers a good middle class income for these individuals as they come back. It's partly also because the U.S. Uh, uh, military apprenticeship program does uh, train active service men and women to to be construction workers and other and do other kind of crafts and skills as well. Um, but helps you know and uh, create a pipeline into the trades. Um, but again, they're, they're, you're more likely to have a veteran, uh, employed on a construction job site if that job site is in a state with a prevailing wage law. And, uh, military veterans are also more likely to be enrolled in joint labor management union apprenticeship training programs. That is the share of military veterans is higher for union apprenticeship programs than it is for the non-union side. Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's a good question. This kind of speaks to what, what you mentioned. It's, there's, I think there's a, a sense from, from many military veterans when they return home from service that they would like to, to make a, you know, ha- make a contribution and, and continue their service to the public. And, you know, so many military veterans become police officers and firefighters and teachers and things like that as well, um, to continue their service. Um, and, but others look to the trades as a way of, Hey, maybe I can build the infrastructure for, for the citizens that I served and, and protected. Um, while I was while I was abroad, right? Instead of instead of being a college student going, you know, to a to a, a stadium and to watch a football game, maybe I can build that stadium and build that dormitory for that college student. Um, and so that's the the sense that we hear uh, often from from military veterans uh, who are in construction is that I, I feel that I that sense of purpose working here in construction, just like I did, you know, working alongside quite honestly more of my brothers and sometimes my sisters, but working alongside my brothers and sisters uh, in the trades. Um, just like it was when I was uh, in combat or, or abroad. So we talked uh, a little bit earlier about the good value that unions bring, the apprenticeship program brings to prevailed wage jobs. Uh, these jobs are oftentimes done, you know, ahead of schedule, under budget, and done safer. Do you, does the uh, Illinois Economic Policy Institute have any statistics on union versus non-union in regards to safety on a job site? 
So another great question, and it actually would be a separate report than kind of the initial one I was talking about. But most recently, uh, in, in within the last, uh, in at the end of 2021, the Illinois Economic Policy Institute did release the reports on on safety in the construction industry, in particular comparing union work sites to non-union work sites. So what we did is we looked at every single OSHA inspection uh, conducted in 2019. And we stopped at 2019 because the numbers dropped off in 2020. And also there's been some cases that weren't decided yet by even by 2021. So we had 2019 data where case uh, the investigations were all closed. And we looked at 37,000 OSHA inspections at these projects. And what we found is that across the United States, unionized construction work sites face 34% fewer health and safety violations than their non-union counterparts. So we're looking at work sites that are significantly safer. Um, you know, even though unions only represent a, a fraction of, of the union construction industry, they represent, you know, somewhere between 14 and, you know, like 25%, depending on the exact number you use of the industry. Even though that's the case, the union work sites only account for 5% of OSHA violations in construction. So that ratio is very, very different and, and showing that, again, that those work sites are, in fact, safer. Wow, that's uh, that's significant. So if I am to put all this in a nutshell, Frank, the data shows that by enrolling in a union apprenticeship and working for a union company, not only do you make on average $18,000 uh, more a year practicing your craft, we have greater uh, equity and in inclusion in union apprenticeships. We have safer working conditions. There's a higher level of home ownership, it sounded like, for union mm-hmm. members, and we give back to the community. So I'm looking for, this is, is amazing. It sounds, you know, too good to be true. Is there a downside to being a union apprentice? Yeah, so so good question. The downside is you have to put in the work. <laughs> these are these are more rigorous programs uh, on average, and generally speaking, than the non-union programs. Um, but but no, I mean, you, you know, the question often becomes is, you, you know, this – you're paying workers more and, and everything. Doesn't that just mean that the cost is going to go up? Isn't that a huge downside to this? We're going to have to pay more to build this infrastructure or to, you know, to repair, you know, anything, right? To rebuild anything. So, uh, and the answer, you know, really is just, it's, it's no. And the reason is it's these apprenticeship programs. Okay. The union construction industry is no more costly than non-union construction. And that's because, well, first of all, labor costs are a very small share of total construction costs around the United States, but it's really primarily because of these front-end investments in, in worker training and productivity um, that, yeah, that boosts productivity and efficiency and allow workers to complete jobs right on time the first time and save money on job sites. You know, union workers in general do their jobs smarter, safer, and more efficiently. Uh, and again, that's directly due to these registered apprenticeship programs. Well, I've seen it on hard hat stickers, and it looks like it bears out in reality. Skilled labor isn't cheap, and cheap labor isn't skilled. And uh, Frank Manzo, I sure do appreciate you taking the time to be on the show to talk to us today about union apprenticeships. If people want to reach out to you or find out more about the Illinois Economic Policy Institute, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, again, thanks for having me one more time, Joe, and and, and happy to to come on any other time to talk about uh, these and many other studies of which you can find at the uh, Illinois Economic Policy Institute's uh, website uh, or our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram accounts, all of which we have. But the website in particular is www.illinois, spelled out, um, illinoisepi.org. 
Uh, and there are uh, focus areas on that website. So if you wanted to look specifically at apprenticeship training, uh, that's there. If you want to look at prevailing wage, that's there. Uh, responsible bidding and, and, and things like that, those are also on the website. Uh, again, a lot of the work, about half of the work is construction. We specialize in the construction industry. So I encourage your, your audience to, to take a look at our website, um, see who else we've worked with and, and, and take a look at our studies. And because I think there's a lot on there, uh, that might be useful to, to, to your membership, but, uh, also your, um, your listenership as well. All right. I'll make sure and put all that on the website. Again, Frank Manzo, thank you so much for taking your time to be on the show. My guest today has been Frank Manzo from the Illinois Economic Policy Institute. Be sure to check out the show notes to find more information to help you dive deeper into the subject. As always, thank you for your continued support. And until next time, this is Joe Cadwell reminding you to work safe, work smart, and stay union strong. So I I think we're good. And like you say, we can always do this again and we'll focus in on something else. I'm just happy we got through it, man, with the, with the internet, you, your picture kind of kept fading a little bit. And I was like, Oh no. But, that's uh, why the one, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm hoping you're able to cut that or whatever. That's not too yeah. difficult to cut that, but it, it happened with, with you. And again, it's obviously my internet, but you kind of, uh, yeah, you faded a little bit and it looked like you had paused and I was like, oh, <laughs> I just talking to nobody. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. Man.